Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Well, good morning, everyone. First of all, I want to welcome you if you were a guest at Family Fellowship today. Uh, glad that you're here and I uh, hope you got a bulletin on your way in. And so inside that is some message notes for this morning. So we encourage you to follow along and take notes with the message this morning. And there's some next steps uh, for you to dwell on for uh, when you leave church today. Also, there is a, uh, a connection card here. If you're a guest, we would love for you to fill that out. You can fill out as much or as little as you're comfortable with. Um, and then at the end of the service, you can drop it in one of the offering boxes near the doors, or you can take it uh, out to the uh, information uh, booth right across the front entry. And uh, our outreach pastor, Danny, would love to meet you. He has a gift that he'd like to share with you. And as always, check in on social media this morning. Let your friends and family know where you are. It's funny how each of us processes things differently. So as we were going through baby dedication this morning, Lynn, my wife, was telling me that she just kept wanting to tear up because Kevin Stone was here dedicating a child, which is somebody that we've known since he drew his first breath uh, on this earth. And it's just hard to, you know, see him. just seems like yesterday, you know. That's how she processed it. Here's how I processed it. I was just thinking, man, that's a bunch of big dudes. (laughs) I was thinking, man, if I was a quarterback, I would want them to be my offensive line. That's a bunch of big, strong dudes here this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, I wonder if you were ever given a nickname that you didn't like. Uh, maybe because it describes something about you that you weren't crazy about, or maybe it, it you know, slightly targeted you, made fun of you in some way, or maybe it's because it's who it was that gave you the nickname. Maybe something like Shorty or Four Eyes or Tubby or Toothpick or something like that. We begin reading this morning about a guy named Matthew, but some people called him by a different name. I think a nickname, if you will. They called him Levi, and so in Matthew chapter 9, I want you to join me, we're going to start reading in verse 9, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This same story that we just read about Jesus calling Matthew to be his disciple is also recorded in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. But they don't call him Matthew. They call him Levi, that that nickname. Why why did they do that? Well, apparently Levi is what everyone else called him, but not what he wanted to call himself. 
You see, Matthew wrote the book of Matthew, right? So he wrote down the name that he wanted to be called by when he recorded things about himself. But the other disciples, the other writers of the Gospels, Mark and Luke, they called him by the name that everyone else knew him by. But he didn't like Levi. Why not? Well, the word Levi, the name Levi means joined. Which might not really mean anything unless I were to help you bring it into in today's vernacular. Because it, what they would have been calling him if we were to put it in today's terms is they were calling him compromiser or sellout. You see, Matthew was a Jewish man who lived in a Jewish nation, Israel, but he collected taxes for Rome. And as a result, he is the lowest of all the lowlifes in Israel because they had to give him tax money and he could also overcharge. And so he was getting wealthy off of the taxes from his countrymen that were being given to Rome. He is a sellout. And that's why everyone called him Levi. Except for himself. He's a guy that because he collects taxes from his own countrymen. Everybody hates him. And I think, think about how you would feel. Right? So I've got Larry here. How would you feel if Larry lived here in Greenville. But who worked for the city of Highland Park. And his job was to collect taxes from us Greenville people in order to fix roads in Highland Park. And not only that, but he gets to overcharge and pocket some of our money. We would all hate that guy. That's who Matthew is. Matthew's the guy that everybody hates because of the kind of tax collector he is. But when most people turned away from Matthew and wouldn't even make eye contact with him because they couldn't stand him so much... Jesus sees Matthew sitting in his tax collection booth and he goes to Matthew and he chooses Matthew. And said to Matthew, come and follow me and be my disciple. And Matthew did, giving up, by the way, a very lucrative career. Why did he do that? Well, it's because of the first thing that's in your notes this morning that I want us to grasp. And it's this, everybody needs acceptance. Everybody needs to be accepted. And so Matthew, when Jesus said to him, come and follow me and be my disciple, Matthew left it all behind. He left the sin, the theft, the corruption, the greed, even the money, because he felt acceptance from Jesus. Matthew wasn't Jesus' friend, but he knew who Jesus was. He had heard all the things about Jesus. And we had heard that, that this guy, Jesus, who had, had been going around and been, been uh, really wowing the crowds because of his preaching and his teaching and the miracles that he was performing. When this Jesus came to Matthew and said, follow me and be, be my disciple, Matthew was like, I can't believe that he's accepting me. And so as a result, he, he did. He left it all behind. And I, I hope that you'll get this this morning. No matter how much... If this is how you feel about yourself, no matter how much of a low life you think you are, God desires to choose you. But, like Matthew, you have to be willing to step out of the life that you're in and say yes to him. And when you do, Romans 8.29 says that God chooses us to become like his son. And so in order to, to be like his son, there's a couple things I want to share with you this morning. So first, to be like Jesus... 
we should love the unlikely. Jesus loved those that the world looked down on. Matthew was not likely to be one that very many people were going to love. He was very unlikely. But Jesus loved the unlikely. I want to make sure that, and I know I say this a lot, but but just want to make sure that you completely understand that this church does not exist to only love the likely. Those who have most of their act together. Those who society seems to accept. We exist as a church to love the Matthews of this world. We exist to love those that many others may choose to ignore. And I want to focus just, this. these are of course general principles, but I'm going to focus the message a little bit this morning. Because one group that many love to ignore is teenagers that don't fit into the mainstream of teen culture. And when I say that, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just the world in general, I'm talking about Christians and Christian adults. It's very easy for Christian adults to look at teenagers who don't have their act together and consider them, whether you want to use the word low lives or just the more cleaner, unlikely someone to love. I want to tell you a little bit about one of our ministries today. A ministry that we call The Attic. Many of you probably don't know much about it. This is a ministry that's designed for youth in our county between 6th and 12th grades. And, and one of the things that we've, we've tried to do is to create a place. It's not something that happens here. It happens over on Sale Street, kind of by, the, by Greenville High School. So we try to create a place where every teenager, no matter whether they're likely or unlikely, can find acceptance. Where every teenager, even if they feel unlikely, even if they might consider themselves to be like a Matthew, they can experience what it's like to be loved just like they are. Now, there's every type of teenager at the attic. Some of them have great home lives. Some of them have awful home lives. Some of them, their future is probably going to include college. Some of them, it's going to include the military, and some, their future probably is going to consist of minimum wage, if not welfare. Some of the teenagers that come to the attic have tons of friends. Some are the Matthews of their school. They don't have any friends. They're unliked by most and misunderstood by many. But we love them all. But we specialize in loving the unlikelies. And so we, we create a place just for them. I brought a few things to show you this morning. I don't, not necessarily in any order. This is, my, it's kind of in rough shape. This is my Brooks Jesse doll, right? And so anyway, we've had this for a long time. It's kind of getting beat up. Uh, this is a series of pictures from. Lynn and mine's wedding shower, wedding, honeymoon, stuff like that. So, um, man, I am looking good. Oh, you might like this. This is the Lionel 2025. Some of you know what this is and what it's worth. Um, It's a... This probably weighs at least five pounds. This is the real deal here. 
locomotive. Um, this, it's just going to be hard for you to really see it. This was my first tool set as a, as a kid that I got to play with and that I still have. And then, this, of course, is a play weed eater. This was, this was Parker's. Um, you want to guess where I got all this stuff? Out of the attic. I crawled up in my attic yesterday evening, knowing what I was going to share with you this morning, and, and I just dug out some stuff. You know, you know what kind of stuff you put in the attic? You put stuff that's important to you. Stuff that you don't want to get rid of. When we opened the attic in 2003, and we named it what we did, it was always intended to be a metaphor. Because the way that we looked at it is it's, we hope that every teenager that ever entered in the attic is someone that we consider important. Someone that we consider has real value. You know what? This doesn't have any value to any of you. Now, you probably wouldn't give me a quarter for it in a garage sale. <clears throat> but it has a lot of value to me. And you see, because I'm the dad of the son that had this, I'm the one that gets to determine its value. I wouldn't sell it to you for $50. And you might say, well, but it's broken. It is broken. It doesn't change the value to me at all. Sometimes we put things in our attic that, that they're not new anymore. They, they've got some scars and some blemishes and they're broken. But we still can't hang on to them because we love them and they mean a lot to us. And, and we get to determine their value. Well, that's kind of how we feel about the teenagers that come to the attic. And again, that's the metaphor that we've designed uh, in the name of that place. Because some of those kids, you know what? They may be more like the locomotive. And, uh, and, and some people can, look, just by looking or hearing about them, go, oh, there's a lot of value. But then there's others that are a little more like the weed eater. And, and they're broken and they're scarred. But you know what? Nobody gets to determine their value except for the father. And God has said in John 3.16 that he loves everyone in the world. And so we've created this place where, where every teenager can feel love and acceptance. So to be like Jesus, we have to love the unlikely. Secondly, though, but if we become like Jesus and love the unlikely, we're going to be criticized. Not only will we be criticized, the criticism likely will come from religious people. Look at verse 11. It says, but when the Pharisees saw this, saw what? Saw Jesus loving Matthew. They asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? You know what? They were criticizing the people in Matthew's house, but they were also criticizing Jesus as well. Jesus' reputation took a hit for loving the unlikely. And you know what? Ours will too. People... Even now, criticize your church because we choose to invest in teenagers who don't quite have their act together. But I do want you to understand something. We've got a group of, you know, roughly on any given Wednesday, which is when the, when the attic meets, a group of three staff and 30 volunteers that, that serve at the attic each Wednesday night. And they don't do it because they have to. They don't do it because it's a Christian duty. 
They do it because they like spending time with that crowd. A crowd that has a lot of Matthews in it. Let me tell you about a few of them. I've told you that there's some kids that have most of their act together. But there's some that don't as well. We've got one. I'm not going to give you any names, but 16-year-old black female. She identifies as bisexual. Her mom's a drug addict. She comes from an extremely, extremely dysfunctional home with little to no supervision at all. I'm not going to go into other reasons, but she has multiple reasons to feel like no one would ever want her. But she loves the attic and comes every week. She knows that our attic adults love her, and she knows that Jesus loves her too. We have a 17-year-old Hispanic male. When he first came, he viewed himself really as a Matthew, as a, as a social outcast. And, and he talked to one of our, our adults and was explaining to them, I, I kind of want to try out for the school soccer team, but if I make the team, I'll have to miss the attic. And it was a real pull for him. And so he was encouraged for multiple reasons to try out. He made the team. And he missed the attic all during the season. But as soon as the season was over, he got right back into the attic and got plugged in again. But you know what? He, he doesn't feel like a social outcast anymore either. Got an 18-year-old white male. When he first came to the attic, he was a drug user. And I think the term that most of you will know was a cutter. He has no, zero family structure around him at all. He doesn't see much hope for a future. But communicated to one of our adults last week that he knows that the attic is a gift to him, showing him every week that God loves him. Got a 17-year-old black male. Comes from a great family, but loves the attic for the worship and the teaching about Jesus. And he sees it for himself as an opportunity to offer support and acceptance to other teenagers. We've also seen over the years that many of what we call our church kids, kids that, they're your kids, they, they, they come to church here on Sunday morning, they get the opportunity to be used to serve at the attic. Some greeting, some maybe in the kitchen, some in other areas, and then some with their musical talents. Just last week, we had a 14-year-old black female came by herself and did not know one soul in the whole building. Now put yourself in that situation for just a moment and how uncomfortable that would be and at the end she told our adults you know what I, I, I feel accepted here and I feel like you guys love me see th that's the kind of kids that we get to serve and minister to at the attic there are some kids out there that have some struggles Maybe life has dealt them a bad hand and they come to the attic because they feel loved and they feel accepted just like Matthew's crowd of friends did when they gathered at his house and Jesus came in to Matthew's house and spent time with them. And there are people who, just like the Pharisees, look down their nose at those teenagers and those adults in our church. So what do we do? We have a choice to make. We can either stay as far away as possible from the Matthews of this world and thereby... Keep ourselves clean, 
like the Pharisees would have us do, or we can stop just long enough to get our eyes off of ourselves and what we think other people think about us and realize that there are teenagers who need to feel loved and accepted because they're getting it nowhere else. And we get to be the people to provide that for them. Jesus loved Matthew, the unlikely, and called him to follow him. And then, Matthew threw a party at his house, and he invited all of his low-life friends. You say, you know, how does a guy like Matthew, the tax collector, how does he have any friends to invite to a party? Look, if there's one thing that all of us know, it's, it's, it's this, like begets like. There were other lowlifes in Israel at the time too, right? There were other tax collectors. There were other thieves. There were prostitutes. And they had their own little social circle. And so he invites all of the lowlifes into his house for a party. He invited Jesus. And Jesus went and he embraced that crowd in their mess because that's what love does. Will every teenager that comes to the attic find and follow Jesus? Probably not. But 41 of them have this year. And just in this year to this point, 865 different, unique teenagers have been at the attic. So while every teenager probably won't find and follow Jesus, we will get to see two things. Every teenager that, teenager that comes will get to hear about Jesus and about his love for them. And every teenager that comes will be in a place where they are loved and accepted. I've got about a five-minute video that I want you to watch before we close this morning. And it's just kind of a little bit of an overview about the attic. Because, again, I think some of you don't really know what we're talking about. So it's a little bit of an overview, but it's also got some interviews from some kids and some adults about their place and their role in the attic. So watch this. because I love getting to meet new people and getting to serve others and build those relationships that I might not be able to build at school or at church because it's such a fun, easygoing atmosphere. To play with my friends and talk to them and for Jesus. I come to the attic mostly to hang out with my friends, with my friends. Um, I enjoy the interactions with people. A lot of it just comes from interacting with the students here and just being friendly and playing all the games and having fun. I come to the attic because of the uh, fun place to go, especially on a weekday, you know, if you have nothing else to do. Because to me, it's more welcoming than any other church in Greenville. 
it's a place where I can get away from all my problems. I can come here and just chill out. I get to come here and worship the Lord and Savior and also have a good time while doing it. It's just a place where kids get to hang around with just their friends and don't have to worry about being judged or being bullied with others. The people are probably the best part. They're amazing. I love the volunteers most because they care about you so much. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like. They are here to get to know you and love you, and that is more than anyone could ask for. I just absolutely love the kids out here. I love working with everybody and um, making a connection with them and making them feel loved. It probably has to be the people here. They so genuine and nice and they're just comforting to be around. Everybody accepts everybody and that's the way I like it. I like the attic because of the people and the environment and most of all I really like it because of the uh, we get to hear about the you know Jesus and the word of God at the end of the you know day. The first few adults and how much they make me feel like I have people to come to and be comfortable around them, be myself and also the kids that come here just make you feel like you're part of a church family. Um, really how nice people are to you, like when you're going through stuff or something, they're not all up in your business, but they're there for you when you need them, so they're really nice to you. I like the people, all kinds of people, different people, they act different, they look different. It's just a variety of people I can just get to know. You don't have to start by being able to just walk up to random students and talk to them. I mean, when I started out at the attic, like, gosh, seven years ago, um, you know, I just worked in the kitchen, just handing pizza to kids. Um, I love seeing the kids out in the community. You know, when they recognize me out in the store, I can be anywhere. I can be at games. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a blessing to, to know them, to get to know them, and, and they know that they can come out and speak to you. Go with your gut. Try it. There's so many different aspects of the attic that you never know where your love for Jesus and your love for kids could serve and impact a kid of Hunt County that wouldn't um, know you or know Jesus if you didn't give your time. If you're even considering it, uh, I would encourage you to, to come visit, if nothing else. What I say to encourage you is that kids, they really need help, they need guidance, and you know, you make a difference, you really do. It's something that I look forward to every week. Uh, every Wednesday we come out, we, you know, try to help these kids, guide them, make sure that they're making the right decisions. Just try it. Just do it. You may have more fun than you think. I think one of the responses, one of two responses that sometimes we get when, when people think they know some about the attic is sometimes we get the the insulating types of parents. Well, I'm not sure I want my teens around those types of kids. Um, but you know what? You send them to school, don't you? And you let them play on ball teams or in dance troops with different kinds of kids. Um think the thing that all of us have to remember is we need to teach our Christian 
children and teenagers that they are to be a light in the world now, not when they get to be an adult. And that's a great opportunity to do that. And then sometimes people are kind of like, well, couldn't we just be like other churches and have youth with just with our teens so that they can go deeper? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to answer that except um, Jesus told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He came to seek and to save the lost. And that's what we do. And that's what Jesus answered to those comments were. In verse 12, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus is the great physician. But we could always use a few nurses at the attic. We could use some people who would be willing to go and invest in young people and to show them love and acceptance. Let me close with this passage and, and a quick third point. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you stand over there or else sit on the floor... Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Third thing I want you to see this morning is this. Anyone who shows favoritism or discrimination of any kind should question their faith and their motives. I would just paraphrase verse 1 this way. How can you say you're a Jesus follower when Jesus steps into the lives of the unlikelies and you do everything you can to avoid them? We have an opportunity to help shape and mold a generation that, quite honestly, many of them don't have anyone in a positive way shaping and molding them. And if we don't get involved, then the world will shape and mold them. And it hurts them, it hurts society, and you have a generation of teenagers that are going to spend eternity in hell just because nobody wanted to get their hands dirty. I want us to always be willing to get our hands dirty. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? We've been looking for an opportunity for me to be able to just share the attic is, because I know that a lot of you don't really know very well. But in so doing, I also want you to understand why we do what we do. Because Jesus loved the unlikely son. Quite honestly, we need to help us love
morning. Amen.